This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's Talk of Buffalo podcast, I got Chad Domenesis. Today we're talking about this complete abomination of a Buffalo Sabres season. Man, it's ugly. We're going to hit on that. Some front office stuff. Maybe we'll sneak in some Buffalo Bills talk, some sports media talk. Who the hell knows? But anyway, plenty coming up with my man, Chad. Before that, though, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at Sunny Reds. Now, this is a spot that I think is one of the best hidden gems around. Sunny Reds has delicious wings, elite wings, some of the best I've had anywhere in Western New York, and you know I've had a ton of them. And by the way, their brick oven pizza, mm, pretty good too. Sunny Reds is located in Lackawanna on Ever Road, literally just a few minutes down the road from Bill Stadium, and it's a great, cozy, comfy vibe. I've taped several podcast episodes there with guests that include Eric Wood, Reed Ferguson, Joe Biscaglia, Those guys all love the food. They love the vibe there. And I'll tell you what, as soon as this pandemic is over and I can get back to Buffalo, I can't get back to Sunny Reds quick enough to eat there, do more shows there. Again, great food, great vibes, a friendly neighborhood feel. During COVID, they're available for takeout and delivery. They have some dining hours, but again, with COVID, that's all fluid. Hit up their Facebook page. Sunny Red 716 and check out their full menu. See what their hours of operation are right now. Give them a shot. Trust me, give them a shot. I can tell you confidently, you will be very, very happy you did. Support those local businesses. And on that note, let's go. Let's do it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome everybody. Talking Buffalo podcast presented today by our friends over at Sunny Reds. I am your humbled host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I want to thank everyone for locking in today. Got a good one for you. Going to talk some Buffalo Sabres. Probably not much of that good, but... Some Sabres talk, nonetheless, some podcasting, plenty of other stuff with my good buddy, Chad DiDominicis from Expected Buffalo. I'll have Chad on for you in just a minute. He's one of my favorites. Before that, though, so I want to start this episode with a special shout out. And I'm going to preface this by saying this. I know that I'm catering right now to a small crowd here just a portion of people listening who are 
from Buffalo, more specifically the West Side, because if you're from the West Side, maybe if you're not, but if you're from the West Side, you almost certainly know who Tavi Azaris is. In my opinion, Tavi is the godfather of the West Side. He really is. On the business side of things, Tavi founded Royal Printing. Of course, many of us from the West Side know all about Royal Printing on Grant Street, the West Side, all the way back in 1953. And Tavi's truly been a pillar of the West Side community. But aside from the business, it's been his like never any devotion to, to kids and young adults with sports and activities that really makes him an icon. Uh, Tavi founded Westside Little League Football. Tavi founded Westside Little League Baseball. Tavi founded and actively directed Westside Ponytail Softball for many decades. He's been sponsoring sports teams for many decades. And again, if you're from the Westside, you already know this. Back in, going all the way back to 1970, Tavi converted an empty parking lot on the west side into a play area. It had pavement, smooth pavement. and included four basketball courts, lighting all around, fencing all around, and it became known as Nativity Playground. And it was quite literally a hotbed for kids to play in leagues there, including street hockey. I played many, many times in those leagues, and I hung out there, And I played basketball more times than I could count at Nativity. Just so many things to do that Tavi was responsible for that kept kids, frankly, kept us out of a lot of trouble. You know, some of the best memories of my childhood, if not my entire life to this day, are from there, are from the West Side and playing in sports that were founded and ran and directed by Tavi. I loved it there. And I love Tavi. And so does everyone from the West Side. Tavi, who, by the way, he is in the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame, so it's not just the West Side thing. But Tavi's 92 years old now. And just recently, he put up a Facebook status. And he announced that because of his advancing age, that he could no longer actively direct uh, West Side sports activities. So he was seeking out a replacement. And from what I understand, a replacement has been found. <laughs> Whoever that person is, man, they're going to have some some big, big shoes to fill. But anyway, on that Facebook, and this is kind of what prompted me to want to spend a few minutes talking about it here. Um, my little podcast kind of paying homage, so to speak, because I was just blown away and moved, frankly, by by all the love and uh, the admiration that people on Facebook are showing him. And these are people from all ages because, again, Tavi has been the rock. He's been a foundation of the West Side for so many years. You know, I grew up playing sports in Tavi's leagues in the West Side, you know, from the late 70s, early 80s to the, to the mid-80s. And I know there's a lot of people who played sports on the West Side before me. And I know there's a lot who've played since me. And Tavi's been at the center of all that because, again, he's been around for so long. Such a big part of our lives for us West Siders. So 
You know, I'm just, I'm really happy that Tavi's still alive to see all the love he's getting because you know how it goes too often. These sentiments, they're not shared until that person's gone. It sucks, but quite often that's the way it goes. And I don't know how Tavi's health is right now, but no matter what, no matter how much longer he's here for physically, the contributions and the spirit that he's brought to the West Side is going to live forever in that community. And I, and I truly believe that. It's a West Side community that I'm proud to say I'm from. I'm proud to say I grew up in. And I'm just very proud to have known Tavi. And I'm very um, grateful and very humbled and appreciative for all the, the joy, frankly, in my life growing up on the West Side that Tavi was largely responsible for. So anyway, I wanted to get that off my chest. And I also got thoughts on Tiger Woods and a few other things, but I'm going to get to that later on. Right now, let's get the ball rolling with today's episode. Here's my chat with Die by the Blade editor and founder of Expected Buffalo, Chad DiDominicis. All right, I am joined right now by Chad DiDominicis. Dude, you know what, Chad, I, I used to have to practice your name. I remember the first time I had you on, I used to practice your last name because I was scared. I didn't want to screw it up. But now I've gotten to know you pretty well. And the name just rolls off the tongue. Smooth, man. It's a smooth name, bro. How you doing? It is. I, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing really good. By the way, for everyone out there, you could see Chad pretty much every day of the week on Twitter, bickering back and forth with the Mike Harrington. <laughs> More on that in a minute. But Anyway, so it's been a while since I've had you on the podcast. It's always good to have you on. Um, I haven't had you on individually since I was looking it up late 2019. So it's been a while, man. But you were on last May along with John Vogel and Chris Baker and Paul Hamilton. We did an all-time Sabres draft, which was a lot of fun. But the audio was a complete disaster. In fact, the second <laughs> half, it was so bad I couldn't even use it. But it ain't your fault. It wasn't you. It's mainly because of Bakes and especially Paul Hamilton. Just terrible. <laughs> what remember you that? Do, man? Yeah, I, I do. It was good. It was good talk and it was fun. So that, that's unfortunate. But I do remember that being like, I remember as you we were recording it, we were we had an echo going on. And we couldn't figure out yeah. who it was. Yeah, I, I remember it that. It was Paul. <laughs> okay, well. Paul had, it was funny and I talked to him afterwards. So like you're on a laptop right now, but you have a, a USB mic, obviously, because I, I can hear how you sound. Well, Paul didn't have a mic and he uh, was talking into this, literally the side of his laptop, holding it and trying to talk into it because it was so low. It was just oh, a, a complete yeah. disaster. And then Bakes has this like snowball or whatever. So he has some kind of mic that was just too far away. It was just a, yeah. it was a disaster. But anyway, the draft itself was fun. And, and I remember, and in fact, I had to go and look it up. You had yourself a nice team. I love my remember team. Remember that, that Yeah, because yeah. it's funny because like I, I figured I tried not to be that guy, but I figured it was going to be that I was going to be like 2006. Like you know, no nobody really later than that. I think only like one guy who's past that. I want to read off your roster, and okay. I'm going to tell listeners who didn't check that out because again, that was last May, so that was a good ten months ago. I'm going to put a. I don't have a link to all the guys that were drafted on, in the show notes, but what I do have is a link to a tweet where I had a photograph 
of all four years. And I'm not going to run through all four teams, but this was Team Chad. So you had four forwards, and the rules were 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goaltenders, and two coaches. And Chad's four lines were um, Eichel, Pominville, and Skinner. You first and foremost, you better be glad Ralph Kruger isn't the coach of your team that, that you drafted. That was back when that line was like was good, and then they played yeah. together. That's right. Yeah, so that that was a line. line. Yeah, and by the way, these weren't all necessarily drafted in order. These were the lines you guys. I also tasked you after you drafted to come up with your own four lines, so that wasn't necessarily like the top three forwards that you had right, drafted. Right. Yep. But anyway, that was one line. Then you had Ryan O'Reilly with Reinhardt and Max Affinity get off, which is a but that's a fun line. A uh, Drury with uh, Rene Robert and Jeff Sanderson. And then your fourth line was Johan Larson, Jochen Hatch, and Marcus Foligno. Dude, that's a really solid fourth line. That, that's a beautiful checking line right there. It is. I loved your forwards. Your defense was okay. You had Brian Campbell and Teppo Newman in. That was one pairing. Uh, Richard Schmelich and Rasmus Dahlin. And you had Dimitri Kalinin and Steve Monador. That's, I mean, it's not bad. It's a, it's a decent defense. There's some analytics styling as that's why I picked some of those guys. Like Mont- Montador's numbers are pretty good. I'm surprised yeah. I, didn't, I didn't pick Spotcheck. Like he's he had some great numbers for the Sabres. I'm surprised I didn't go him. Yeah. Um. Who were your goalies? Grant Fear. I didn't did like my goalies. Well, you're trying to win every game six five. So if that was the case, <laughs> Grant Fear is a perfect goalie. I like Roger Crozier as a backup. And then your coaches, your head coach was Lindy Ruff, and your assistant was Barry Smith. Okay. Again, I mean four teams. So I mean everyone had a pretty. Stack team, but I remember going back and forth. I said either you or Paul had the best team. They were two really good. John's team was just all right, and Baker's was like really top heavy from what I remember. Yeah, but, I think that's right. Yeah, but it was fun, man. It was a good time. So here's what I want to do. I don't get to have Sabres guys on very often, so I obviously I got to take advantage and talk a little bit of Sabres. I'm going to spend a couple of minutes talking about. And so we're taping this very late Thursday night. Chad was generous enough to jump on with me late after the Sabres game on Thursday. I want to spend a few minutes talking about the game, but more so why I have you on. I want to talk some big picture stuff. But in terms of the game, so the Sabres losing overtime, 4-3. to three. Um, Carter Hunting got beat. Point blank on a shot. I think it was Pavel uh, Zaka. Zaka, that's who scored overtime, right? Uh, Zaka, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So no Jack Eichel, who was injured. No Skinner, obviously more on that in a little bit. Olmark played well early, then got hurt. Uh, the Sabres fall to... Six, eight, and three on the season. And by the way, six, eight, and three sounds a lot better than saying that they've left the ice ahead on the scoreboard just six times and mm-hmm. 17 starts. You yeah. know, it sounds a lot better yeah, that does. way. But anyway, again, we'll spend a couple minutes on the game. What did you see on Thursday night? Because people are hearing this Friday morning. What did you like? What did you not like? And again, I got to take advantage of having a guy like you on the podcast. My only takes is, you know, they lost, but on the bright side, it was a fun game. I enjoyed watching it. Plus, think of all the learning that Jeff Skinner got to do on Thursday night by watching again. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, is as we're talking, I'm watching a post game interview. Um, and this is interesting on Eichel, because if you remember a few days ago, when he played pretty bad against Islanders, he Kruger was asked if there was an injury. He was told, they told them no. Well, listening to his post game thing here, I have the captions on. Apparently there's this injury that came up out of nowhere that they didn't expect. So things are a little sketchy with that now. So now it definitely seems like Eichel was injured the entire time and he just lied about it. So that's interesting dynamic that's, that's put into this. Yeah. yeah. He said it didn't happen in warm-ups. He said, he, said it, he said it caught them by surprise. So I don't know how much of that I believe. So it seems like Eichel was probably injured the entire season. 
and it kind of grew here to a point where he couldn't play tonight. So that's interesting. Um, the game itself, um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what do you expect, really? I mean, <laughs> you didn't have Eichel, um, you didn't have Skinner, obviously. I don't know. I think they were lucky to get a point. Uh, they were thoroughly outplayed for the majority of this game. You know, you had Riley Shane playing top line center. It's <laughs> I, I really don't know what you He scored a nice goal, too. He scored. He did. He scored a nice goal. And then maybe you could have got away with one, stole it, um, you know, with Hallmark in there. But Carter Hutton comes into the period, comes into the game in the second period and promptly goes up four goals throughout the game. So, um, you know, there's Carter Hutton for you. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say they're lucky to get a point in, but. <laughs> If Jackson missed time here and if Hutton or if Allmark is hurt, forget it. Your season's done. You're toast. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the early part of this positive. Like I don't have a lot of notes here, but I scribbled a couple of things down. And one of them was, I don't just want to continuously beat up the Sabres for this entire chat with you. So I got some positive stuff, but as you describe mm-hmm. things and you say, as soon as you can say the name Carter Hutton, I look at my phone and my buddy, Larry. Okay. I'm going to give him a shout out. He doesn't, te- he texts me all the time, but he rarely ever texts me about hockey. He's one of those fans who, when the team is good, which is not, you know, that often these years, that's when I hear from him. But generally speaking, I don't. But anyway, out of the clear blue sky, I get a text from him. And, and the only thing he says is, I bet 10 shots on that, I would score eight times on Hudden. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, as soon as you say that, I'm like, well, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, Sheenan scored, um, middle step scored. Reinhardt tied it up late in the game. Nice pass from Taylor Hall. Yep, it was, yep. Again, it, at least, I don't know, man. I'm not, and it, I've said this a million times, I'm a, I'm a fan. Obviously, I'm a Sabres fan. But I don't live and die with the Sabres. And there's nothing wrong with people who do. I just personally don't. So I'm kind of immune and used to this. And at this point, when you have expectations that the team's not going to be good and that they're not going to win, even when they are at home against the New Jersey Devils, right there in the standings with them. I don't have an expectation of winning that, especially held, hold true when Jack Eichel doesn't even play. But it was a fun game. It was a pretty fun game to watch. Like, were you entertained or was it just yeah, uh, I mean, it was more of the Sabres didn't play game. well and got a couple breaks? How, how yeah. do you break that down? I mean, that, that's, yeah, it was more of a high event game, right? So that's kind of not the way the Sabres play. So that's exciting when that happens. A 4-3 game, you really see that from them too. So, you know, it's, yeah, I'm... I don't know. It's just, it's so hard for me to really take much of anything out of this game because like yeah, you're not playing with Eiko. What did, what did you expect? You know, I mean, I, I guess I didn't expect them to get rolled over the way they did in two of the three periods, but you know, you just, you couldn't match up with New Jersey. They have, they have all their big boys back. Blackwood's a really good goaltender. It's impressive when you sneak three by him, you should probably win those games. Um, but yeah. I mean, Hutton kind of, he was just shaky the whole game. And part of me like wants to give, a slight break because it's it's tough to come into the middle of a game, you know. But still, I mean, you gotta if you get one of those, you get a save, and, and even even the ones he did save, they were leaking through them, they were hitting posts. So, you know, it's it, it's it's a bleak situation for them right now, especially when you add in the injuries. Yeah, when he he's in net, and I hate comparing hockey to football, but it's like it was like Josh Allen's rookie year, and, and the card hurt is not a rookie; he's been around forever, but. My point was every time Josh Allen threw a pass, you, you get a little, I'm not anymore, but back when he was a rookie, it was like nerve wracking. Like it tense up a little bit. Kind of feel like every time someone puts a shot on net, when Hudden's in net, you kind of tense up a little bit. But anyway, like I said, I, I want to talk about a couple positive things, not necessarily from the game, but just with the Sabres in general right now. And one of them is this kid, Jacob Bryson, the defenseman, 
Yeah. Tell me a little bit about him and what your take is. Now he's getting an opportunity to play, of course, because of the injury to Jake McCabe, which sucks because he was playing well. Um, Rissa Layden is still on COVID and Will Borgen got a shot and he looked good. And then he gets injured and he's uh, probably done for the year. So yeah. uh, what's your take on Bryce? And I've, again, I'm not an expert by any means, but from what little I've seen, I like him. What, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, so he's an interesting guy. So I, I kind of started to really pay attention to him um, his junior year at Providence. Uh, so he was a fourth-round pick of the Sabres in 2017. Um, so he had a really nice junior year at Providence, followed up with a nice senior year. Uh, I think his senior year at Providence went to the Frozen Four, if I'm not mistaken, when it was in Buffalo. Um, so that was you know pretty cool to kind of see him you know live. Uh, so then last year he made his you know pro debut in the AHL and, and I thought he was good. He's one of the better defensemen. Um, you know, he moves the puck well, he skates well. I mean, you see that watching. Um, so, you know, the thing about him that, that I crafted and coined him is high event Jake McCabe and kind of what that means to people who don't know. Um, and you're seeing that in the two games that he's played so far is that um, he's on the ice for a lot of shot attempts for but he's also been on the ice for a lot of shot attempts again. So in his first game, for example, he was on the ice for 19, or 18 shot attempts for 17 against. Um, and then usually he's also, you know, the shot quality is going to be high up there too. So that's, again, how you get to high event because a lot happens when he's on the ice. Uh, the good thing is that he most times throughout his career um, has managed shot quality. So what I mean by that is it's okay to put a high event style if the majority of the time you come out on top of it. And also your shot quality isn't crazy. Like you don't want to be giving up, like, for example, like a one would be crazy. If you're giving up like 1.0 shot quality in a game, every single game, that's wild because you're giving up a lot of chances. So, you know, he, he managed that. He, he was really good in his first game. Um, nobody was good in the second game. I, I honestly didn't even bother looking anybody specifically in this game because I know everybody was bad. Um, so, you know, the numbers are going to, I'm sure don't look great in the second game, but that's, that was the entire team. There's only three players who were a positive, um, in shot sharing quality. And those guys play like seven minutes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, I mean, he's a bottom pair guy for sure. Um, you know, he's undersized, but he does a really good job defending the blue line, which you kind of see that, you know, a couple of times you saw that where he's a small guy, but he's not afraid to rub guys out and kind of disrupt you know, entries players trying to enter the zone. And that's good because he's not the best defender in his own end. Uh, it's not really where he, he thrives. So if, if he can kind of limit getting caught in his own end um, by breaking up those entries, then, you know, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. So, And I'm I'm right to assume that we're going to get a nice long look at him oh, for absolutely. the rest of the season. Because you're not getting Morgan back. You're not getting McKay back. Um, yeah. Matt Irwin isn't very good. They're not going to play Brandon Davidson a lot. I, I would say he's probably here the rest of the season unless they make a trade. Um, even if you get wrist line and back, he's going to stay in because he's a left shot. Right now, your left side of your defense is Darlene, Irwin, and Davidson, and Bryson. So if you take Bryson out, your other, the other two are not very good. So right. I, I have a feeling that Bryson's probably going to be here for the remainder of the season, unless they make now, a trade. A lot of people think, and rightfully so, that maybe the, the biggest bright spot so far this season is the early returns on Dylan Cousins. It looks extremely promising. Not even so much on the scores, even just in the manner in, in which he plays. Have you been impressed with him so far? Has he been what you hoped he would be, what you expected him to be so far this season? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you saw him the real junior, and he was the best player in the tournament, probably, along with um, Trevor Zegers, who's a Ducks prospect. So, you know, he, he started the season strong. And, and yeah, for a 20 year old, um, 
his impact is noticeable. I mean, he got back from, you know, COVID. He said he was asymptomatic, which is good and probably allowed him to get right back on the ice quickly and back in the flow of things. Um, you know, he, he was a big impact on that second line. He really got stall and hall going. And even at, tonight they were going. They were they were very, speaking of high event, that line was very high event um, tonight. So, you know, he's a big impact. He's 20 years old. You're not going to get a ton of the points. Um, it's just that's you know the way it is. I kind of envisioned Max. He'd be a twenty-five point player this year. I went off Kirby Doc last year um, from the same draft class. The Chicago Blackhawks he played. I think he had like twenty-one points in fifty-nine games, something like that. So I was kind of like around twenty-five, twenty-six points, um, you know, as a ceiling, and that's fine for a twenty-year-old. You know, you're you're, you're not going to get a guy, even the Eichels and the McKinnons. You know, when they came in the league at that age, they they just they didn't rack up a ton of points. It's just the way it works. So. Yeah, all things considered, I, I think he looks really good, and that's promising for the future. Um, I liked how they brought him in on the right wing, and a lot of people wanted to see him center, but that's the smart way to do it. Let him get comfortable, let him get in the flow. Um, then, you know, as the season goes along here, especially if you have injuries, you're going to get out of this puppy pretty quick here. So, then, you know, you can start experimenting with putting him at center and, you know, kind of go from there. What about Casey Middlestat? Goal aside, in tonight's game and Thursday night's game, at least to me, and again, no expert, he, he's looked better after it appeared to me that he was headed towards Busville for sure. And I, I know that's a very premature thing to say, especially for somebody who's, I would call myself, more of a casual fan than mm. really somebody who's locked in. But considering that he was an early first-round pick, and I understand a lot of this is unfair, especially to call him a bus as young as he is. But it seems to me, and I'm sure many other people too, like I see on Twitter, that he seemed to be headed towards that distinction, even though he wasn't there yet. But he, to me, at least, anyway, he looks much better right now, much more comfortable. What's your take on him? Yeah, you know, I, I always thought, you know, if you look back at tweets I said, and even the articles I've wrote about Middlestat and one I wrote in the beginning of February, you know, I think it was best for the Sabres, and even maybe Middlestat, if they just agreed and understood that he's not going to be a top six center for you anymore. And that's maybe what you expect out of your eighth overall pick, but that just wasn't going to happen. So I think the good part is here is they've accepted that. They moved him to the wing. There's less responsibility for him. So they mm-hmm. good, and they put him in a checking role, which I think, again, is good for him because he's not responsible now for creating offense, and he's in better shape. And I think one of the areas he excels, and I think he did too um, previously, is on the forecheck. He, he's kind of an aggressive forechecker. And we've seen it the last few games, and, and you know he still has that that wiggle to him in the hands, you know, which which we saw tonight on the power play. He had a, before his goal, he had a really nice entry, made the move, got it to a post, so got stopped, and then a few seconds later, he's in front of the net and, and pops the puck in. So, you know, if you're going to have him be a you know a, a middle six, you could say winger for you and a power a second power play unit guy. I mean, that's right where he fits in. You know, it's, it's is that ideally what you wanted when you picked him eighth overall, and then you know the, his First year after his draft, he was ranked by some as the best prospect in the league. No, but you know it's better than getting nothing out of that, which is the trajectory you're heading for a player like Tage Thompson. So, um, you know that, that's good. That that's promising. Um, it's good to see him turn around. It's good for him to have that confidence. I think to keep coming back um, and accept that role they they gave him and to thrive in it. Because most guys, you know, we saw that with Alex Nylander thought they were a top six forward and that's all they were going to play. They didn't need to be in Rochester. And, you know, so, you know, the attitude can really get to a player and, you know, Casey, good for him for accepting that and kind of thriving in it. Kind of like a 
um, Zagman's Gergeson in a way, and not not sure. necessarily maybe his style, but in terms of you know a pretty high first round pick, who initially you know we had very high expectations for him, and once we saw that wasn't going to happen, he did settle into a good checking line role, and, and he's been pretty good at that. So I think Casey like, has more offense to his game, but yes, I, yeah. I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah. Now, one guy who does have plenty of offense is, is Victor Olofsson, who's been just deadly on the power play. Mm-hmm. I, I I was looking it up. You have to go all the way back to. Probably Dave Anderchuk to remember someone who's been more effective uh, with the man advantage. Now I looked at, like I said, I looked it up. Anderchuk had 180 of his 368 career Buffalo goals on the power play. Literally almost half of his goals. Why is Olafson so deadly on the power play, man? Well, it's a shot, right? And you get the open space, and the, the guys that finish are lethal when he's given space and the opportunity. So, and plus, you know, you have guys like Reinhardt and Eichel and Darlene that really set him up for one-timers and nice, you know, get the goalie off balance and stuff like that. So, you know, that helps him too. But it's, he's, he's one of the better shots in the league. So you know, that's what makes him effective on the power play because he can just stand there and fire. He doesn't have to do anything else. His sole job on that power play is to move the puck around sometimes or finish it when he gets the puck, and he, he can do that. Now, the problem is five-on-five five is right. in, in kind of a big issue because he's not good at it at all. Um I, I think they need to just accept it. I don't know when they're going to, that he's a power play specialist, and that has value. If you can be a power play specialist in this league and still play, just you can't also be a first-line left winger. Like, <laughs> does it work? And I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday or the day before. It's, you know, he's played 800 minutes with Jack Eichel. 800 minutes, over 800 minutes. And he only has five goals at five-on-five five in that time. Wow. Like, who else would be given that amount of time and only score five goals at Eichel? Skinner was given two games and didn't score and he was pulled. So like it's, you know, it just, it doesn't work too many plays die in a stick. I, I think, you know, and I don't think he's that good in transition either. So I think that kind of hurts that line with Eichel and Reinhardt too. So, I, you know, right now, I, who knows what, what you can do with, with again, with the injuries, keep harping on it, but it, it's a major issue. So who even knows what you can do right now, but if they're fully healthy, you know, they need to take a hard look in the mirror and, and get him off that top line. Um, let him settle into an easier role in the lineup, down the lineup, not playing a lot of minutes five on five, and then just let him eat on the power play and, and you're fine. You know, $3.75 million, whatever he makes is perfectly fine for a player of what he does. Yeah. Uh, he's got seven goals this year. Six are in the power play. I, I know you're right. I completely agree with you. I just think in my mind. And by the way, you said he has, you said he has seven goals, six in the power play. His other goal Consider even strength, but that was with the goalie pulled. So that was a de facto power play. Jesus. <laughs> wow. I completely agree with what you said, that he could be a power play specialist and maybe a third line guy and should be on the top line. I just picture in my head, when it comes to this team and this organization, every move they make, and this is what happens. This is a product of losing for years and years and years. The fans are going to hate everything. And I could right. just see it in my head now. Olsen is demoted. and all the, You know, you look at his goal total and people would be losing their mind that, he got dropped down, but it does sound like a... Well, I, I think the smart fans would understand, right? I mean, it's not sure. even a casual fan. You understand the guy only scores power play goals. Like, it's right. not anything crazy. You know, it's, it's, again, it's not like they're reducing his power play minutes. He's still going to play in the top pair. I got one more guy on my like my good list here. Um, Ryan, Sam Reinhardt. I think he's been pretty good. I think he's got, what, eight, eight points now or something like that in the last five days. He's, just, he's one of the few guys to me that's looked... I don't want to say completely consistent, but in comparison and contrast to the rest of the team, he's been pretty consistent all year. Like, what's your thoughts on him? Not just how he looks this season, but again, I think he's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. And, you know, it's time to start thinking about 
if they're going to do something long-term with him and they want to keep him? Is he going to be a good trade piece? Like, what's your thoughts on him and what you think the Sabres should do with him? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a, a Reinhardt supporter. Um, I feel like he unfairly gets a bad rap around here, which I, I don't know why. I mean, it, it's funny because a lot of Sabres fans, which is weird, um, really turn on their good players kind of quickly, which is an odd thing. Um, hmm. But I don't know. Anyways, so I, I think he's very undervalued for what he does. Um, he's not that flashy guy. He's not going to skate up and down the ice, you know, burn you, make moves. He's just, he's so intelligent the way he plays the game. He thinks it so quickly. He, you know, we saw that in the last New Jersey game, uh, the one on the road where he created that play to Montour. Just he, like he had eyes in the back of his head. And then even the goal for Olofsson, he made that nice pass to the point from behind the net. And then it gets over to Olofsson and he finishes it. So Reinhardt creates those plays. And, you know, I, I don't think people really understand and appreciate. And maybe the Taylor Hall thing, not working with Eichel, should show you that, that, you know, Jack Eichel is not an easy guy to play with. And, and it's, not a, it's not a knock on Eichel. It's just you got to kind of understand the type of game he plays, and Reinhardt does that very well. He knows how to play with Eichel. They feed off each other. You know, Reinhardt helps Eichel defensively, and, you know, well, you can say Eichel boosts Reinhardt offensively. But, you know, those two feed off each other, and, you know, a lot of people kind of harp on Reinhardt because he can only score with Eichel. Now the sweet bit of irony is he has the goal without Eichel tonight. Uh, so that was kind of funny how that played out, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, he's been their best player, um, best forward at least, this season, and, and that includes Eichel and the team. So, you know, restricted free agent. Um, if they do a one-year deal again, they're walking him to unrestricted free agency because this is the last year of restricted free agency. So it's they're not in, in a great situation here with that. They are kind of have their backs up against the wall. So really, if Reinhardt wants, he can just walk them to unrestricted free agency and they can't do anything about it unless they trade him. Because um, he is an arbitration eligible fifty free agent, he can elect for arbitration, and they can't do a thing about it. So you know it's tough. You would hope that they extend him because they don't have any other talent on their wings that are as good as him, and he's a better player than Taylor Hall. I'm sorry, he just is. He he's the best winger on this team, and it's not even really close. So you know if you're gonna move him, um, I I don't know how you replace him because you don't have anybody on your team that really can replace him. Um, there's no wingers in your system that can come and replace them. I know they got Jack Quinn, but I, I just don't think Quinn can, is ever going to be the type of player that Reinhardt is, you know, at both ends of the ice and how effective he is. So we'll see. You, you would hope they're going to resign him, but, you know, I, I don't think that's by any means a guarantee. I, w- I would say 60 40 they resign him um, versus a trade, but, you know, we'll see how this season plays out, I guess you could say. All right, let's take a quick break. Want to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at 26 Shirts. So you guys already know the deal with 26 Shirts. They roll out a new Buffalo-themed design shirt every two weeks, and that shirt is tied into a specific charitable cause, and they sell that shirt for 26 bucks. Here's the really cool part about what they do if you didn't already know. For every single shirt sold, a donation is made to that affiliated cause, each and every time, each and every shirt. Since opening up their doors for business in 2013, 26 Shirts has now managed to raise and donate over $1 million to these causes. It's just unbelievable. Del Reed, that crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many deserving people and causes. It's awesome to see. And by the way, these are really outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfy. 
They're sporty to wear. They look great on you. I have a bunch of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. All right, I put this off long enough. I need to get your take on Jeff Skinner because I'm really confused here. I, I try really hard to understand both sides because he's played way better than a guy who has no goals this season. And I know advanced stats back that stuff up. So I, I understand that. But conversely, at the end of the day, he does have no goals. And he's got to score. And he has had opportunity. I know a lot of it's luck and stuff. But I'm just, I'm at a loss though why he's getting buried in the press box because and Thursday night I as again as we tape this that's the topper I mean Eichel's out they have injuries and then they go back to Dage Thompson before they go to Jeff Skinner who's now been benched for three straight so again I, I need your take I just I fail to see any benefit of it even if it gives the team like a short-term spark which no but <laughs> like this obviously it puts a huge target on Ralph Kruger's back. And that's obvious. That's already happened. Frankly, I don't know. It makes me think he's a clown. It, it he does. put, he I put just, more pressure on himself is what he did. He, he handled this extremely poorly. Why, did, why, how did, why do you think? I know nobody knows for sure. And I think maybe someday down the road, some details might emerge. Some player might spill the beans or something. But Jeff Skidder's a guy, first of all and foremost, he wanted to be in Buffalo. He waived his no trade to come to Buffalo. He did score 40. And I understand, again, production matters. But I don't know, man. I feel like he's one of those situations where he's almost being set up to fail. But again, I'm trying to see this open-minded. But what I can't understand is why the guy first has been on the fourth line for most of the year. But also, again, now he's being a healthy scratch. And at the end of the day, I think the coach, and I'm kind of a mess for your take, but yet I'm forcing mine on you. But I can't help it because it really it just stays in my mind this way because not just hockey, any sport. I feel like the head coach's job is to put out a team that's going to give you the best opportunity to win that game on that night. And I just don't see a world where Ralph Kruger realistically is saying, all right, the Buffalo, my Buffalo Sabres, have a better chance to beat the New Jersey Devils on this Thursday night and a couple games before that with Tage Thompson in the lineup instead of Jeff Skinner. I just, I want to get your take on what you think is going on right now. Well, you know, I, I keep saying this. I, I've done a lot of podcasts. I, I've done countless conversations with people and, and we keep trying to find out what is it? What, what are we missing here? And right. I keep coming back to at the end of the day is I think the answer is simple. Ralph Kruger doesn't like Jeff Skinner as a player. I think that's just the answer. He, he saw it last year. He, he Kruger comes in, and, and after Skinner has 40 goals Eichel, starts the season without Eichel, plays him with Johansson and Saboka, and then lowers his minutes, takes him off the power play, takes him off you know, the three-on-three overtimes, more minutes reduction. So you know that was last season. Then you come into this season, and, and you know he starts off in training camp with Taylor Hall and Sam, or, um, Eric Stahl and Sam Reinhardt. You're like, okay, that's fine. And then in the training camp, that's over. And then we started hearing about principles. Well, Skinner's got to follow principles of our system. Interesting. All right. Um, so then he, he starts the season with Lazar and Shan. Well, that line actually plays really well. That, that line makes them a three-line team. Now, Skinner wasn't scoring, but his line mates were. Right. He was creating offense with his line mates. They were winning their minutes. And 
for Kruger, who says he doesn't trust, I'm assuming he means defense because talking about principles, sure doesn't deploy Skinner in that way because he deploys him in a more defensive role with Sheehan and Lazar, and it's actually working in, working in the sense that Skinner, by you know the underlying numbers, is having his best defensive year, and even just normal numbers, like not even the fancy stat numbers, but by bold measures, he's having one of the best defensive seasons of his career. So I don't, I get back to I don't know what Kruger wants, which then gets you back to he just doesn't like him. There, there's no reason for it. You can't deploy him in this way, ask him to play a defensive game, which part of me thinks he deployed him that way, hoping he would fail, and he hasn't. So then he just like, all right, I'm just forget it. I'm just going to pull him and force, you know, force it in here because he hasn't scored any goals. But, you know, he's top 20 in the league in, in individual shot quality in the entire league. You know, in and, and that means he's still getting chances. And the other thing that is important, again, not scoring goals, but he's impactful, is this teams can't score five on five. They only score on the power play mainly. Well, guess what? Jeff Skinner is 19th in the league in penalty minutes drawn, and penalties drawn for 60 minutes. So there's so many things beyond goals that he's doing to impact this team and help them win. But goals, you know, goals, you know, he, he does no goals. I understand that. But like, you know, if he was the only guy on the team without goals, then fine. Kyle Oposo sitting on zero. Uh, Cody Eakin has one because he got his empty netter. Uh, Taylor Hall has no five-on-five goals. Eichel has one or two. Olofsson has no five-on-five goals. So, like, he's not the only guy on this team not scoring. So it just it, it keeps coming back to he just doesn't like the player. And that's, that's the long and short of it. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, Skinner might go. Or, or some, I don't even know how they'll pull it off because I don't know how they would pull off any trade. But is he but, tradable? No, no, no one's taking that contract for the next six, nine million dollars for the next six years. Right, not a chance. Especially the way the way the NHL is right now with the COVID situation, like nobody even has that money to do that. Nobody's taking that contract. And then, then if the series want to take on each salary, what you're going to have three to four million dollars spend your cap for the next six years? No, that's stupid. They're not going to do that either. And, and Skinner's not going to make life easy for you in a trade. He has that no-move clause. He wants to play close to home. That's why he came to Buffalo, and that's why he signed in Buffalo. When he was traded, he gave Carolina two options, Buffalo and Toronto. Those were the only places he was waving. That's why Buffalo got him so cheap. Those were the only places he was going. So fine. He says, yeah, I'll wave my no-move clause. Toronto, Montreal, good luck. He can't go to either of those places because they can't afford them. But they, he's not going to wait to go to Seattle. He's just... And he's not going to terminate his contract. He's not giving up $54 million to help the Sabres out. It's just, I, I don't know. They, I don't know how the Sabres think they're going to win this. Or Kruger, for that matter. And, I, and as long as this goes on, I think Adam's in on it too. That he's fine with all of it. I, I just don't know how they think they're going to win this. It, it, it's going to get uglier before you know it, it gets better if they don't get him back. Especially with all the injuries. If you're still going to mess around and not put him in, then you know it, it's wild. And then the taxi squad thing today, you're just, just like you're trying to embarrass the player. You put him on the taxi squad, practice the taxi squad before the game. Like, come on. Feels personal now. Exactly. Exactly what it feels like. Well, I mean, look, if the team was winning, it'd be a different story, but they're losing and you have a player who is not performing and well, he's, not performing, he's, not he's not performing. I, I take that back because that's not accurate. I was wrong. He's, he's not putting the puck in the net. And for some people, that's the only, that's the end all be all. When you're paying a guy $9 million, nothing matters to them except goals, which is completely wrong, and that's not the right attitude to have. But that is the attitude that some fans have. Right. But anyway, regardless, him being benched, literally benched, 
It feels personal. And it's like, well, what, what's going to come of this? Something has to give at some point. Do you think it's going to be Kruger's going to, because either Kruger's going to put him back in the lineup or he's going to continue to bench him. Is it going to get to a point where one of these guys got to go? And you just talked about Skitter. It's going to be nearly impossible to trade him if that's what they want to do. That's almost impossible. But do you feel it's going to be, how long can this last is basically what I'm asking you. I, I don't know. I don't look, look, I, we talked about the Eichel thing before where I've gotten a few texts from people as we're doing this. It, it sounded like Kruger couldn't get a story straight on it. So essentially he was caught, caught lying. So it, it kind of feels like me, the walls around Kruger are kind of caving in here. Um, he's got the Skinner issue and now the Eichel injury situation here where he was straight out asked two days ago if he was injured, he said no, well, a couple games later, he can't play all of a sudden. And, you know, and, and then the Skinner thing, he says it's all about play. He's asked if it was disciplinary. He says no. But then he talks about how he can't give away all the details and he wishes he could. It's just, it's just, it, it's all odd Kruger talk. And it's just, it, it's getting old fast. Like it's, and now he's starting to catch himself, you know, in, in, you know, the Eichel thing that might, he might have, I guess you can say technically lied and, and, you know, there was an injury. So I don't know. It's, it's going to get pretty rough around here, especially if the winds don't start piling up, you know, it, it's going to get rough around here for him, but I don't know what the Sabres do. I, I don't, I don't. Cause are they going to, is Eichel going to do another new coach thing? I, I don't know if he's going to do that either. And it feel it feels Chad, it feels like, the, the fans are really, and listen, I'm not necessarily sure that ownership cares what the fans think right now. So I'm not suggesting they do, but let's not forget something here. This team didn't play a hockey game for what, nine months? Yeah. So Sabres fans had to starve basically for nine months, starving for hockey. And they're what, they've played what, 17 games? And with a two week oh, break in there too. <laughs> yeah, with a two week, two week break from COVID and they played 17 games. And then they had, and in between, like you said, they had to shut it down for two weeks. Yep. And to me, it's like, I don't know, man. Again, diehard fans are always going to be diehard fans for the yeah. Sabres or any team in the league and any sport. That's just the way it is. But I, I, I sense more and more casual fans are like, yeah, screw this team. Shoot them to the moon for all I care. You know, it's getting really ugly. Yeah, I just don't see an end in sight with this. And I'm not, I know they're like Harrington and a lot of these guys, and they say, and I understand, what are you going to keep doing? Firing the coach every two years? Until you get the guy to get it right, why not, right? I mean, do you, why not? I mean, this is not working. It's we're, not working. We're going to do another season of Kruger, and then they are bad again. Kruger makes bad decisions, and then and then Eichel's like, okay, I'm out. Right. Why not, why not try to fix it now? I mean, we spent a little bit of time talking about Sam Reinhardt being consistent, and we talked a little bit about Dylan Cousins looking very promising, and that Casey Middlestat looks like he could be a good middle, uh, you know, a middle line guy. Uh-huh. That's cool. But for generally speaking, I mean, there's a pile of guys that are just underachieving and it's not just uh, one or two. It's a, it's a pile of them. And here's the thing about Eichel and tonight's news kind of throws a monkey wrench into what the uh, premises, what I was going to ask you, because I want your Jack Eichel insight. Obviously, I think the reason a lot of people figure he's miserable right now is because wouldn't you be miserable as well if you were Jack Eichel right now? It's easy to imagine being miserable because he's, you know, maybe not so much this season, which we'll find out now. He's clearly not been 100% healthy, but 
This is a guy that you spent two years basically tanking for. He's come in. He has performed pretty much as realistically as good as you could hope. On the ice, at least statistically, he got MVP, he's been as, MVP both last season. Right. He's been as good as you can hope he could be. This is, what, his sixth year now in, in the yep. NHL? Yep. He's nowhere near being on a contender. This yep. is a team, again, that's closer to being at the bottom of the league than it is contending for a playoff spot right now, realistically, at least, anyway. So, sure, that's why he's miserable. And that's neither here or there, though. I want you to take on what you've seen from him on the ice, which, again, I think this gets skewed now because just two goals in 16 games, 14 points, but now we're finding out that there has been an issue with him because he has, at least, again, to me as a fan who, I shouldn't say a casual fan. I'm more than a casual fan, but I'm I'm not a diehard. I'm certainly not an expert. But it, I don't, it doesn't feel to me like I've been seeing the same Jack Eichel that I've seen the last couple of years. Like, what do you think? No, I think you're right. That explosiveness hasn't been there. And that lines up with a lower body injury, which is why people asked if he was hurt or not. Because that same Eichel explosiveness is not there. Guys are catching him. He's not beating guys, you know, uh, on the rush. He's not, he's not being able to drive the net. His transition game isn't as dynamic as it was in you know, it all kind of tied together. He had an injury. It was an upper body injury um, before the season started and tra- training camp. That's why he missed the start of it. And then it appears he picked up a lower body injury here at some point. We don't know when. Um, it could have been early. It could have been recently. We don't know. So, you know, it, you throw those things into it, and, and that can definitely go into why he's not looking as dynamic. But crazy part is you look at the underlying numbers like I do, He's actually looking better than last season, which is kind of crazy. It it's is. Just the production isn't there, but he's more impactful. I mean, realistically, with the underlying numbers, you talk to some stats guys like the Evolving Hockey Twins or even like Micah does hockeybiz.com. Um, you know, it, when they go through the Selkie candidates for best defensive forward, Eichel is in that conversation. He's having an absolutely dynamite defensive year. Now, part of that could be because he's always in the offensive zone, but still, I mean, he's having the best defensive year of his career. So he's becoming more of a two-way player, but again, the production's not there because some of that bad luck. And, and it's crazy to think he's doing that if he's hurt. That, that's kind of the crazier part, too, to kind of put that all together, that he's performing that well while injured. Yeah. It feel, like it's, it feels fans are turning on him a little bit because I think they sense that he wants out or that he's going to he want out. I'm, I'm telling you, he doesn't right now. I, I believe I, you. I can tell you that for a fact. You know, there's, there's the whole thing going around with the trades up right now, and it's because they're losing. But yeah. Eichel has never asked to be traded. In public, he said he doesn't want to be traded. His agent has never said he wants to be traded. They said in public that Eichel does not want to be traded. They just want to win games. That's all they want. And, you know, internally, the organization thinks they have until 2022. And the reason is because his no-movement clause kicks in in 2022. He's not going to ask a trade at this after this, especially if he's hurt. I think he'll kind of understand, like, this is a lost season, bust you all the injuries. Eichel's not a dumb guy. I think he understands that a 56-game COVID season, like, you chalk that up to whatever, and you go on to the next one. But why I say 2022 is because there's no movement clause kicks in. So then he has control over where he's traded to. He can leverage to New York or L.A. or Boston. Where if he asks for a trade in the offseason this year, or upcoming one, there's no move, no move clause. And Jack Eichel is not letting you trade him to Ottawa or Minnesota or Winnipeg or, you know, wherever. Like that he's, he's not leaving Buffalo so he can go play there. Right. If he gets traded, he wants to go where he wants to go, and that's one of the big markets. So 
that's why the belief and my belief too is they have until at least 2022 to figure this thing out. I feel like you could be both, Chad. You could be miserable and angry and surly, but still want to be here. Sure. He's mad and he's pissed off because they ain't fucking winning. You know, and plus he's, not, he's having the bad luck too. So he's mad at his own game. Like he's not scoring goals. Yeah. On top of everything else. Yeah. I agree 100%. Now, you, you said a 56 game season. Okay. So you see the strategy at the time. You bring in Taylor Hall, you give him a one year deal, eight million bucks, a former MVP, mm-hmm. clearly coming here to play with Jack Eichel. And the thought was, all right, this guy is going to be really good. Jack Eichel is going to get a MVP caliber winger. Why has that not worked out whatsoever? Taylor Hall's got one goal so far this season, uh, 17 games, 11 assists. They have a nice uh, assist on the game tying goal by Ryan Hart mm-hmm. in Thursday night's game against New Jersey. But are you surprised or do you feel it was warranted that, you brought them two to play together. And I think that's obvious. And I know that's a big reason why Taylor Hall came here. And he said as much, mm-hmm. do you feel like they were broken up too early? No, like you don't, you don't, no. you think it was the right time. Then you think you had to balance the lines out a little more. Well, why is he not working out? Realistically, those two play a similar style. They like to carry the puck and, and play on the rush. And it just, even like, like, okay, they're going to play together. And, Cause that's what's going to happen. But really everybody kind of said, you know, like it's not really a great fit though. And it might not work, and it didn't. You know, and they created a lot of shot quality, and we'll give them credit for that. But it just it didn't work. That they both looked tentative. They didn't want to read each other. They both were trying to give each other the puck. Uncle was overpassing. Hall was overpassing. Just didn't work. It kind of they, they needed to be on their own line to kind of do their own thing. And, and it's worked since they've separated. And you know, Hall is another one of the guys who falls into the Eichel, the Dalene, the Olafson, um, you know, category Skinner category. It, they're just going through some really rough luck. It, it, the shooting list is crazy. I mean, I mean Taylor Hall is not a 2% shooter. <laughs> it, it, Jack Eichel is right. not a 4% shooter. It, it's nuts. And even even see didn't see it in this game. He had chances. The puck's just not going in the net. And it's, it, again, the underlying numbers are really good on him. They're better than they were last year in New Jersey and Arizona. He's creating chances. He's looking more dynamic, I think. I think he's getting more comfortable on this team. And let's remember, too, you know, he, it, this is a new team, and it still is only 17 games. And think about an 82-game season. What do we say, people? Let's give this guy 20 games to acclimate. This year, it's a little bit different because it's a 56-game season. You're shrunk. But it was only on game 17 here, not to mention you had a two-week COVID break in the middle when this guy you know, was on the COVID list, not to mention. So, like, you have so much of that, you know, mixed in there that, that I think kind of, you know, people forget about. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's frustrating that, that the goals aren't coming. Um, but I don't think he's playing poorly. Uh, I, I think that that stall Cousins Hall line actually is really nice. That might be their best yeah. offensive line right now, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Well, what direction do you see this team going like in the off season? Because I mean, it's, fairly obvious at this point, unless something miraculous happens and they completely turn it around. This is obviously going to be a team that's going to miss the playoffs yet again. I think, and you obviously think as well, that if things don't improve, that firing Kruger should be on the table. That said, I would be, I'd be stunned if that happens. I'm not saying I agree with the decision, but I'd be stunned. But that said, um, part of the problem with, with the Buffalo Sabres to me is, it's one thing to not be good. 
Like the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't good, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but they're very young and they got tons of cap room. I'm talking about the Jaguars. The Sabres are not good and they got a lot, they got not a ton, but some pretty bad contracts too, which is going to limit some of what they could do. We've already discussed Skinner. I don't have the stomach to talk about Akposo still going to mm. get, get paid six million for two more years. I think they're going to have to after this season, just for what it's worth. <laughs> I think I think that'll be the end of it this season. You do? You I'm, think they'll buy him out? Fairly confident this is going to be his last season playing for the Sabers. Well, my only take is I hope you're right. All right, <laughs> but I know you got Reinhardt. We've talked about him. He's he's yeah. he's going to have to get paid. Um. Something's going to happen with Raja Stalin at some point. His contract's soon. up, so they have to decide this summer. I would assume a yeah. bridge at this point, but he's got to get paid. Yeah, so, I mean, Colin Miller still got another year to, at a three point, almost $3.9 million next year. Um, they, both their goalies are going to be unrestricted free agents. Uh, Montour's going to be a free agent. McKay hopefully makes it back, and he's an unrestricted free agent. So there's a lot of uh, guys that could be leaving, but there's also some some bad contracts on this team, man. It's like, realistically, can they do an awful lot to be able to really change this team around in a year without firing the head coach, which again, you and I think could and maybe should happen if things stay this way. Well, I still really quick in firing the coach thing. I don't think it's to fire the coach. I think the easy decision that you might be able to make everybody happy is promote them upstairs to the front office role. That's how you fix the issue. I got to fire him because he really, when he got hired, it was kind of interesting that he was hired as a head coach because he did an interview saying he wanted to come back to the NHL, but in a front office role. And, you know, really, honestly, Kruger is the kind of guy who can deflect the Bagulas from putting their foot in their mouth, um, you know, as like a team president or president of hockey operations, whatever. But I think that's honestly maybe the easiest solution to think is go downhill, keep him in the organization, just bump him up there and then go get a new coach. Well, that's a great thought, but with COVID and everything going on with the hockey's and the lack of, of revenue, do you see the Bagulas paying him to bump him up front and then hiring a new head coach and paying him too? That, well, they don't hire they don't pay anybody in the front office, so they should yeah. have the ability to That's do true. so. That's you know? true. <laughs> I mean, if you hire a president of hockey operations, you're going to pay him the same amount of money they paid Kruger. And plus, when they yeah. have one year left on his contract then. Or no, two more years. He's on a four-year contract, which is nuts, but yeah. Yeah. All right, well, a couple other things before I let you go, Chad. I, I got a, a take on advanced stats and analytics with, with Sabres Twitter because okay. it's love-hate, man. And again, you're my boy, and this is one of the reasons why I love talking to you and having you on the <laughs> podcast and stuff because I can be open with you, and I always am. Yep. I don't I don't like when I have a take on a player or a game and I get a ton of stats and graphs and charts thrown at me when I when I don't understand them literally at all. And that happens a lot with some people on Twitter. But conversely, okay, and this is important too, conversely, I also think it's very fair to say that it's very ignorant, if not ancient, for somebody to bash advanced stats and charts and graphs and not even make an honest effort and attempt to, to better understand them in the year 2021 because that's part of the gig now when it comes to analyzing not just hockey but all sports. Is that something you agree with? Because, I again, I see that on Twitter. And, again, I... I love you guys, man. Of course, you and and Kevin's crazy ass and, and Chris Ostrander and all and these guys. You know what I mean? But sometimes yeah. I almost feel like I almost feel like I'm a ten year old trying to talk to a twenty year old when I say, All right, well, I think let's use Jeff Skinner, although I don't agree with this, but let's say I'm saying he stinks because he doesn't have a goal. 
Yeah. And I, but I don't know all the stats are going to support it. Otherwise, you know what I mean? It could yeah. kind of, in some ways, if it's not done right, it kind of make you have that dressed down feeling. But again, conversely myself, I know mainstream media people, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, by the mm. way. Um, you know, it's annoying too, that they just, they're like fossils when it comes to wanting to learn that stuff. That's got to frustrate you. Doesn't it? As somebody who is a guy who's very well versed with advanced statistics. Yeah, well, there's a lot there. So let's, let's try to let's just try to break it down. Yeah, I do so. a lot of shit at you, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think one of the things in the issues why you get a lot of pushback is, is exactly what you said. When you said it, it frustrates you sometimes because I don't know what I'm looking at. That's what it is. You don't know what you're looking at, so you just see it and you're like, ah, this is stupid. Yeah, I don't know what this is. But right, if you just simply just ask, I mean, it's the weird thing is like people think the stats people are all big meanies. I mean, honestly, like, these are some of the nicest people like that I've ever been around. I'm, sure. I'm being completely honest. If you ask them a question, they will give you an answer. In a not sure. snarky way, if you're nice about it. If you give them an attacking mode, then, well, that might be a different thing. But if you just, even me, you just, you don't understand something, just ask me. I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you what the art says. I try my best to explain it to you when I post things. Because nothing in the world frustrates me more than somebody who posts a chart with absolutely no explanation to it. It says, look at this guy is good. Look at this chart. Okay, well, no. You give me some something to it. Tell me what... The, can tell me the story of this chart, basically, you know, pictures with a thousand words, right? That's the, that's the old saying. So I think that's important. That's what's get lost. I think that gives the stat people a bad reputation when you have that kind of stuff happen. And, you know, there's people out there who post this stuff and don't give you any context to it. And that makes stat people look bad when really the majority of the, of the really good stat people understand that and do their best to explain to you what's happening. So I think that's one part of it. Um, you know, I think the other part of it for me, and, you know, I, I've been covering this team for, you know, seven years now, I think. It's kind of wild. Um, you know, I just really got into the advanced staff stuff about three, four years ago. And the reason I did that is because, you know, we've talked this before in this podcast, I, I wanted to evolve. I wanted to stand out. And, and, you know, that was the avenue that I saw that nobody was in that niche, basically. So I was like, all right, I'll do that. I'll learn this stuff. I, I have a numbers background in my day job. So, it shouldn't be that hard for me. And, you know, I put in the work to do that and kind of separated myself and stood out in that way. And, you know, it's, it, it's hard. I understand people who don't completely understand it because it's a lot. It's colors and, and, and dots and stuff and goofy terms. And that's one of the things too, that I, I've had a lot of conversations with Anthony about when we've, you know, inspected Buffalo together is when we write our articles and our stats numbers, I don't want to use the term Corsi. I don't want to use the term expected goal. I want to use the term shot share, shot attempts, shot quality. Because if I said to you, well, the Sabre expected goal was 0.523, like, what the hell does that mean? But if I said to you, yeah, their shot quality was about 50%, like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, so they have 50% of the quality of the shots. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's easier to understand when you do it yeah. that way. And I think that's the better way to, to, you know, break it down. But, you know, lastly, I think the pushback you get from people who just straight up don't want to understand it. Um, who just write it off as saying that it's fake numbers is is nonsense. Because if you do go understand it and what it, and even to expected goals, and that's the thing, you know, expected by whom, right? Well, it just, you know, they're just made up numbers. They don't measure shot quality. Well, really, it it does. It takes a lot of things that happen within a game. Like you can just rattle them off. Expected goals. Most models consist of shot location, shot angle, time between shots, venue for home or away. Game state, power play, five on five, four on five, whatever. Um, shooter talent, goaltending talent, um, 
time between shots. So it tells you if the goalie is hot or cold or not. Uh, previous puck location to kind of give you an idea if it was a rebound or a pass. And I feel like I'm missing a few other things. But still, even those things alone, don't you think if you took all that information and you just popped it together, gives you a better idea of how quality a shot was? Or I forgot the other one I forgot was type of shot. So slap shot, wrist shot, backhand, stuff like that. So if you take all that information, that's just so much information that gives you one number. But nobody wants to, you know, people who don't believe in it don't want to look into it and see that. So that's, I think, the frustrating part is people who say it's just made up numbers. It's not. Literally, these numbers come from things that happen during the game. And then that's the most frustrating, especially when you hear the watch the game stuff. Like, this stuff happens during the game. That's where these numbers come from. They're not just, you know, there's not somebody sitting in some room and going, okay, I think that's a 2% chance of a goal. Like, that's not the way it works at all. <laughs> it's amazing to me how quick the numbers can come, too. It just, uh-huh. it, it blows my mind. Now, one of the things being involved in sports media on and off for so many years around the Buffalo scene, I've gotten to know a lot of people. And then, of course, having this podcast for the last three or so years and having, you know, conversations with countless of media people at all different levels, whether it's mainstream alternative media, um, Sabres, Bills, whatever, all national people. To me, Bills, Buffalo Bills, mainstream media and alternative media. And so we're clear here for listeners. When I say alternative media, I'm talking about people like myself, like yourself, um, bloggers, podcasters, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? People who cover the team to some extent or, or talk about the team or write about the team, but aren't necessarily print or radio or They're not TV paid people. to do it full-time basically. Well, some are to an extent. Yeah. Not full-time. Correct. Yeah. So that's, that's a good way to say it. All right. Yeah. So the bills, mainstream media and the alternative media, I think have a pretty strong, if not at least cordial relationship, like. I see a lot of mainstream guys, and again, I'm going back to the Bills here, who do podcasts, like fan podcasts, and there's a lot of really good Buffalo Bills ones out there. Uh, and you're, you know, your partner with Die by the Blade, Buffalo Rumblings, they got a bunch of good ones. Mm-hmm. Cover one, there's a lot of them. Yep. Um, anyway, guys, like, you know, Sal Capaccio, I mean, I'm not going to go into the names. I can go on yeah. and on and on. These guys do the shows. They're accessible. They're friendly. Stuff like that. There's a good relationship. That ain't the case with Sabres mainstream media versus... Uh-huh alternative media fans. I mean, there's no getting around and does that frustrate you? Because see, well, here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing before, ahead. before, before yeah. I get in and let you unpack this. Yeah. I, I want to say this too, because like the guys are the obvious guys that we know about. Like I personally like Mike Harrington. I personally like Paul Hamilton. I don't like John Worrell, but I do respect him professionally at least anyway, but it's clear to pretty much anyone that those guys and I want to be careful with how I say it because I don't like attacking people when they don't have an opportunity to defend themselves. At least when you and Mike are fighting on Twitter, you guys are going back and you both have ample opportunity to talk some shit to each other. Yeah. You know, on a podcast, I can't, I got to be careful. I don't want to blast Mike too much because I like I yeah. said, he, so you know what I'm saying, but it's pretty much clear to, to, to that they don't respect the blogosphere. They don't respect Sabre fans who disagree with them. And I don't like that at all. And I, I think, Likeability matters in this digital media world that we live in now. You know that you're a well-liked guy. I think you are anyway, because it's <laughs> it's a it's an age where there's just so much content, so much to choose from, and yeah. some of these guys, especially the old guard, man, they just don't get it or they don't care. But again, unlike Bill's media folk, uh, these relationships between mainstream and other with savers, it just feels much more contentious. Like, what's your thought on that? Well, I, I honestly think it's mainly one or two guys. Um, and you mentioned them. Uh, those yeah. two guys are. I, John, you know, it's, 
it's tough because John's in and out of both things, right? I mean, he's kind of I, I get he's there like for him. Sabres games. I know you everything with John, but like I, I don't. I respect him though. But yeah, I, 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 I kind of say he's like a dual guy, right? He, he's in on both. Um, so I'm not saying I don't count him, but I kind of you know I, I'm fine with right. John. You know, I don't have an issue with him. Um, and I don't even have an issue with Mike or, or Paul either, um, personally, for that matter. Um, I just think those two believe what they believe, and they think that they're right. And okay, if you want to have a style, that's fine. Um, you know, you want to believe you've been around the game so long that you know, you know, you know what you know. That. Yeah, uh, I think um, it's more than that, though, Chad. I, well, I believe I, I, you. I, I they believe that they're it, right, but I, also, I, I, think they're, I think they don't have the same amount of respect for them. Well, to you to some extent, but you also, I have been in games and you have covered a team, but like the average fan or the average blogger, I think there's a lack of uh, recognition and respect from some mainstream guys. Well, a lot of Paul's cases, you know, he played and, and you know, I hate that thing. Um, no, I, I played too. I still play. Uh, I didn't play, you know, Division One Iowa State, but, you know, I've been around the game long enough. I've done scouting internships. Like, I know I know what's going on. You know, I, I talk to people to, to learn more, you know, so I think that's it's just me. I think it's other people too. You know, you don't know somebody you know that that is that what they know what they're maybe they grew up as a coach maybe they didn't play but they grew up around coaches and that's how they learned the game um i mean and look at um the tampa bay lightning's coach i mean john cooper he didn't he didn't play any high levels he was doing the thing he was, he was in lacrosse before he eventually ended up in the nhl or in the ahl and then kind of got up to the nhl so now you don't got to be anybody who's played the game to have good conversations and i think that's the situation with paul and also i think paul just I, I think he's – I'm trying to be nice about this. I, I think maybe it kind of is – I don't want to say passing a by, but maybe it is. Um, you know, he's not a guy who's big into social media, and that's big right now. You know, I mean, he has half of, what, Twitter blocked? Half of Sabres fans blocked anyway. Well, that's so. what I was saying. I, likability matters in 2021. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. I've talked to mainstream guys all the time. I talk to editors and managing editors all the time. It's important. And if they try to deny it, then it is passing them by. And like I said, I like these guys. I've had Mike on my show. I've had Paul on my show. They're good to me, but I have an issue. And I told them, by the way, I'm not like talking behind their backs. I've <laughs> had these conversations. Yeah. I'm like, Mike, why are you going back and forth with fans? And it, it, it can be petty sometimes. It's like, yeah. even if they're wrong, even if their stats are ridiculous and they're wrong, why do you always got to? Don't give him the, the satisfaction sometimes, you know? And it's just Mike's thing going too back is, and forth. I think what gets him is he grabs onto something every season. And make sure it's Skinner. And he won't let it go. Yeah, the Skinner thing is bad. <laughs> even like in the game, even the game he didn't, and I replied to one of his tweets, even the game he didn't play, he had a comment about Skinner. I was like, my God damn, man, the guy didn't even play. Like, give it a night off. Like, calm down, you know? And so, and he does it every year. It's Eichel, it'll be Reinhardt, it'll be Darlene, it'll be a coach, it'll, it'll be a player. I don't know, he'll grab O'Reilly when that happened. Um, and he's got some real bad tweets on that that people have exposed. Um, you know, so that's, I think, kind of what gets Mike is he sticks to something and never lets it go no matter what happens. And he just, he, he's always right about it. He's always going to be on, he's going to hammer it every single game, every single night, and it's going to get old, it's going to get annoying. Um and that's just what he does, you know. And again, to kind of drive it home, I think those really the only two ones. You know, if you have look at the rest of it. I mean, like I have a great relationship with Joe. I mean, Joe's going to come work with me with that die by the blade, which is going to be awesome. So I, I have a great relationship with him. Um, I get into scoop here that I didn't know about. You talk about Yordan? Oh yeah, you didn't know that? Oh yeah, we announced that a couple of days ago. 
Yeah. I didn't know that. Joe, yeah. Joe's my guy, man. I fucking yeah. love Joe. Oh, yeah. I love a lot of these guys, but again, I still, well, I still consider him somewhat, somewhat alternative, although he did work at the athletic too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Chris Baker, love those guys. John Vogel's a good guy. Yeah. John, um, you know, I, 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 I John's been on I my show. Lance all the time. Like in DMs, Lance and I talk all yeah, the Lance time. Lance has been on the show. Yeah, I love absolutely. Lance. Yeah. Lance is a really good, and he's a talented writer, by the way. He, he wrote is, a kick-ass piece. He wrote a kick-ass piece in Thursday's Buffalo News about, uh, about Jeff Skinner. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And yeah, I mean, I'm not calling out mainstream as a whole. But my whole point was, is it's a completely different dynamic oh, than it sure. is with the Bills. The it Bills, is. like you could work for Cover One or, or Buffalo Rumblings, and, and you could be at the Buffalo News or wherever, Channel 7, Mapo Bay, you know what I mean? These yeah, guys all have great sure. relationships. It's just, that's something that's missing on the hockey side. Yeah. And it really bothers me. And again, I really, I like me. Mike and I like Paul, and I respect those guys. They've they've had great careers, but I wish they would make more of an effort to be a little I mean, more understanding. Thing- the final thing well, I'll say is, is I think what bothers me the most is, is they take swipes basically at people, what people spend a lot of hard work doing. And it's not just me. It, it, it's discrediting the work they did. And really, if they, if they thought about it, it, it's like, you know, if I walked up to Mike and I just discredited everything he put in there, just, nah, you know what I'm talking about. Just, just stuff in here is stupid. You, you don't, your numbers, your stats, you put in there dumb. Like, you know, you know what we're talking about. But he put, he put his work into it. You know, for what you'll say about Mike that we don't agree a lot in the game. I mean, there are some things that we honestly do agree about. We had a nice Twitter conversation today about a post We were on the same page about them. Yeah. So there's things that we agree about, but I think it's also, like you said, it's respect. You know, yeah, you I, might not agree yeah, with it, sure. and I don't agree with everything he does, but I respect the work that he does. He puts in the effort. I, I'm at games with him. I see the, you know, when he gets there early, he stays there late at night. He puts in the work, and he works hard, and you know, I, I respect anybody who puts in the work. So and I, He's a I tough think, columnist, too, sure, and He's, he's talented. He's not afraid to go after the players. I respect that. Yeah, respect that. but it's not too much know. to ask for it to go both ways. You know I mean? While he is what he does, like, I didn't, but I sit in that same press box with you. Like, we're sitting in the same exact press box. So, you know, I, I don't think, and it's not just me too, it's other people. I, I think there's no reason. Yeah. And the same thing with Paul. There's no reason that you can't have dual respect both ways, whether you agree or not. I think there's media, not just in Buffalo. I'm, this is probably something that goes on all over where people have been around a long time. The, I don't want to say the changing of the guard, so to speak, but times have definitely changed and guys are just resistant to change. And then you got the guys who think that because you're not in the locker room that you can't do the job mm-hmm. for real, which that was true five, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, but today's world with, with access and especially the and COVID world where anybody can just jump on a zoom yeah, call. Anybody early, right? it's equal. It's equal ground right now yeah. with COVID because yeah, nobody's got a real advantage, but even when COVID's done, in today's day and age with technology and the, yeah. and the access to press conference and the, and the accessibility to PR people on Twitter and to get a hold of players, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, anybody could do the job. So, yeah. Anyway, it just, it, it kind of, it annoys me that there's not a better relationship. And I'm not blaming it, all of it, 100% on guys like Mike and Paul. No. You know, it, could, it goes both ways, too. Sure. Like, I've seen, again, I'm not going to, you know, I, well, if I'm going to name Mike and Paul, I like Kevin and I like Chris, but sometimes they can be really snarky back, if not initially too. So it, it, sure. it's kind of one of those things that goes both ways. So I get annoyed. I, I even have sides. my snarky moments. I'm not going to hide from it. Sure. I have it Who too. doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So listen, before I let you go, man, so you're firmly in your thirties now. Okay. You got a family. Firmly in my thirties. Like, calm down, man. I'm like, I'm like 32, right? I'm not like, well, I mean, it's firm, like I was bro. like, I was going on 40. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're eight months into your, if you, well, dude, I wish I was 40. Let's put it that way. Okay. Once you're like more than eight months into your thirties, you're firmly in your thirties. Okay. You got a family enough. for real. You're dad. And 
I was thinking about this earlier. I was watching my kid do something stupid today. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I got it. He's a, he's a high school senior. I know I'm much older than, uh, than yours, but anyway, you see him do dumb shit. And again, your kids will, I promise you. That. Oh, they do already. But, so yeah, that's right. yeah, well, it'll get worse. But anyway, <laughs> when, when you, let me ask you this, man, when you look back right now, so again, you're 32 years old and you could look back to be in 15, 18, well, there's something big, something small, like what's something that you wish you could go back and and do differently? And I know I'm putting you on the spot. These are, I didn't send Chad any notes or any outline of what we were going to talk about. So this is 100% on the spot. It's just something that was popping in my head, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes before uh, we taped it. When my kid annoyed me, like I said, doing something stupid. I'm like, idiot. But anyway, it got me thinking, like, if I could go back and do some things differently, like, what would I do? Like, what would you I, do? I think it would be what I went to school for. Um, you know, I, I went for business because um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I started um, going there to be a history teacher. Um, and then I switched to criminal justice. And then I eventually went on business because I really just still didn't really know. I, was like, I thought marketing could be cool. So I'll go to business or marketing. And now my full-time job is um, I'm a domain planner. So it's not even, <laughs> not even marketing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. And, um, you know, and, and I think I would do a more sports focused type of thing. Um, cause I do, I do think realistically that maybe holds me back from where I, I would like to be where, you know, you mentioned 32 years old. Um, you know, you get to the point where you kind of start to accept, all right, you're, you're never probably going to get there. Um, but that's why you start your own site and you kind of, you know, get, get to play, you know, hockey reporter <laughs> in, in a way, um, part-time at least. So that, that's the nice part of it. But yeah, I, I think it's that I, I would go back um, and change what I went to school for. Um, something more sports focused, which is really what I wanted to do. But I kind of just thought like, hey, well, I'll never get there though. You know, I didn't, I didn't have the confidence in myself then. Um, yeah. You know, when realizing though, kind of where I put the work in to get where I am now, um, you know, I feel like if I had that, Degree behind it too that I could be something full time instead of, you know, like I said, playing a part time hockey reporter. That's a good answer, man. I I feel the same way. I wish I could go back sometimes in school and uh, do things a little bit differently than what I did. You know, another thing I thought about this is kind of stupid, but so when I was a teenager, I had so many photos and love letters, and I used to want to be a writer when I was a little kid, a sports writer. Like, uh -huh. and I'm significantly older than you, so. When I was a kid, I was making my own magazines, writing them on paper. Tyler Dunn talks about this too. He did it when he, when he was a kid. Yeah. Like you handwrite some stuff. You cut out some pictures from the magazines and you get some scotch tape and you put them on your paper and you made your own little sports magazines up. Yep. I kept all those in boxes of photos and shit like that when I was a teenager. And like I said, letters to people in school, just all kinds of stuff like that. And when I got to be 18 or 19 years old, I didn't care about that stuff anymore. And I moved at some point. I don't know. I moved a bunch when I was like in my early twenties, but I saw, I lost track of my shit and ultimately I lost it. So I, I go back now and like my teenage years, I don't have my, my father's passed away. My mother really didn't have any of my shit. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? A lot of my youth and my childhood and my teenage, I get some photos here and there from friends. Well, you know, I was in pictures with friends and stuff like that, but yeah, that sucks, man. I wish I could go back again and take better care of my shit when I was a teenager, which by yeah. the way, that's kind of the premise of what I was getting at when I said my son did something stupid that annoyed me. It had something <laughs> to do with this shit. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how lucky you are to have some of this shit 
yeah. that you have. But anyway, yeah, man, so many things of mine that I just, I wish I would have kept. It'd be so fun to look back. And of course, when I was a kid, there wasn't, like right now, you can take photos on your phone and they get backed up to an iCloud or they end up on yeah. your computer. Yeah. So you're never really going to lose them. But when I was a kid, you know, you had the uh, the Kodak cameras and, and shit like that. So oh, they sure. were physical photos and albums and, you know, just laying around in shoe boxes. And I, and I lost them all. So yeah, I still have anyway, all my trophies sitting in my basement that my wife yells at me at least once a year to just throw out. I'm like, no, I'm not throwing those out. Like, <laughs> That's the only way I've been. Not that I had a ton of them, but yeah, I don't see. I don't have any. But <laughs> anyway, one more thing, I'm gonna let you go. I want tell fans a little bit because again, I haven't had you on the podcast solo since you started Expected Buffalo. Tell mm-hmm. people a little bit about that and why it's worth to join and become a patron. Which, by the way, I, I do want to have one comment on that. I think this is something that going into the future and even the near future is the next big thing. Like right now, everyone in the world has a podcast. You Uh know what I'm saying? It was, at first it was unique and then it got, now it's saturated. And there's still some really good podcasts that stand out more than the others. But my point being is everyone has one. I think that what you're doing right now in the next couple of years or so is going to be the wave of the future. I fear, because I have a lot of friends who work for newspapers and stuff like that. I fear for the future of newspapers and not even just newspapers, but organizations like the Bleacher Report and stuff like that, because I think you're going to see more and more talented people. And Tyler Dunn's a good example who starts his own thing, you know, and you charge fans, whatever you charge them and you provide them your content, exclusive content, you throw in some goodies, some bonuses, some extras. I think you're going to see more and more people who are either established, popular, or even if they're not, they're just really talented and they get themselves to that point. They're going to start to do what you're doing right now. But anyway, so congratulations on Expected Buffalo. And just tell fans a little bit about it and what they're going to get when they become a Patreon. Yeah, you know, quickly, I, I just want to say, I, I think you're right. Um, I think that's definitely the way that we're headed. Um, like, like you mentioned, you know, that done doing that. And then even, even Matthew Collar kind of has his own thing now. Even a lot of hockey guys. Um, the Athletic, look what they did. You know, and Joe Yurden was, unfortunately, part of that. Um, but a lot of those guys that did, they started their own sites. You know, that that's what the new wave is now. So, yeah, I, I think for sure it's headed that direction. And that's kind of nice. You know, it's in a way you get to step out, do your own thing, and kind of people who really appreciate it. You can then decide who they want to follow, who they want to pay. And, you know, that that's kind of, you know, a nice right. thing. And, you know, we'll yeah. see where that evolves. But for sure. So, yeah, Expected Buffalo itself, you know, it's something that I thought about doing uh for a while. I've always had it in the back burner, um, especially when Dive of the Blade, there's some, you know, the California thing happened and then you kind of get sketched out a little bit, um, you know, if that's just going to be you one day. So, you know, it's on the back burner. And then, you know, unfortunately, one of the people who lost my job because my place that I worked at closed because I'm COVID. So, you know, I'm at home. Um, but let's just try this, start this and see where it goes. And, you know, I got Anthony to go on board with me. He was fully behind it. You know, the story I always tell people is, I started looking into doing it and I texted Anthony one day. I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't think it's going to work. And he's like, no, we're, we're doing this. It's going to work. Stick with it. Let, let's get through it. So really it, it almost never even happened. And I give Anthony credit for continuing to push me and kind of get over the, the finish line and really get it launched and going. Um, so yeah, Anthony and I have been doing it together for a while. And then now we've added Eddie in, um, you know, he's, he's a young kid and he's extremely intelligent. You know, Anthony and I, um, know our stat stuff, but Eddie's the guy who will make you models and stuff like that. Like he's the real data engineer guy. So it's nice to bring him on. And some of the articles he wrote, you know, you kind of see that he, he ran some of his own models and put that stuff in there. So that's kind of exciting, 
you know, twist that we have. But yeah, I mean, we're a site that definitely focuses more on um, the analytical and the numbers side of covering the team because nobody really does that. Uh, so that, that's kind of the role or niche that we fill. Um, and it's been off to a great start. We have a podcast. We do um, Q&As online, too, that have gone over pretty well. We've had some people on. You know, we've had, um, you know, Brian Duff. We had Joe. We had Jeremy. Um, you know, during the long break to kind of get through things, and that went over really well. So we're going to, you know, keep going with that here once things settle down a little bit. But um, it's it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm really, really passionate about it. Um, over to the top, like I said, my wife kind of tells me that I'm a little bit too passionate about it probably. It reminds me that I do have a full-time job, and that's not my full-time job. And then I tell her, well, I'm kind of making decent money, and if I get this many more prescribers, maybe it can't be my full-time job. That's always my, my pushback on her. But, um yeah, I, I love it. I enjoy it. I like the freedom. I like the way it's come together. Um, I think the content we push out is excellent and honestly competes even with, you know, the mainstream guys. You know, I think we've established who we are um, and we've, we have, you know, respect, I think, of Sabres fans, people who like that content. So, you know, I, I went into this telling Anthony, we're going to get 25 subscribers. Um, we're coming up on a year where, again, the Sabres were off for nine months. They've only played 17 games since we launched the site. And we're at 240 subscribers. So it, that's it's awesome. gone way better than I ever imagined. And we're not even through a full, we're 17 games into our first season. So, um, you know, it, it's crazy to where we are. And I'm extremely excited about the future and some things we have planned, you know. Um, people have asked if we're going to do Bill stuff. And I said, not now. But, you know, I, I'm also the guy over here in the weeds that's starting to study football analytics because maybe in two, three years, that is something we add to the site. But, it's just a little preview of maybe some things you have coming down the road if there is a way to kind of expand ourselves too. Well, I'm really excited for you too, man. And I should have mentioned Anthony too. Anthony's a really good guy and a very talented yeah. hockey writer and podcaster in his own right as well. Put you guys together as a team and it's all good things. And look, like I've said this many times, man, I, I really enjoy your work. You're a very accessible guy. And I also think that your respect level is growing. And again, some minor base with some of these people aside, I, I know a lot of people have a lot of respect for you. You remind me of Ryan Talbot on the football side, a guy who was a blogger and really nothing else and started doing podcasting and just got better at what he did. And then Ryan started breaking a lot of Buffalo Bills news and you uh -huh. do the same on the hockey side. Like you've broken some pretty significant things. And again, just uh, the stat stuff you do, you just a uh, a really quality podcast, a really quality writer, and a quality guy. So everyone, check out expectedbuffalo.com. Give it a shot. You know what I mean? If you like it, you stay. If you don't, you don't. But at least give it a shot, man. For and we sure. put out free articles every single week. So if you want to, you know, test drive for a couple of weeks to see what the free articles look like, you know, you can you can do that too. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. Follow Chad on Twitter at CMDDeminisis. Bro, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for being up really late on a Thursday night as oh, well. Oh, like I said, this is my, this is my prime working time, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I always appreciate you, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. I, you know, and I appreciate the kind words as well. I wanted to slip that in. So, you know, that, that's really nice and it makes you feel good. All right, that was Chad DiDomenesis. Before I get out of here, I just wanted to spend a minute talking about something. I'm not going to lie. I was shaken, quite shaken to my core when on Tuesday I started seeing the tweets come out about Tiger Woods and that he had been in a severe major accident 
um, early Tuesday afternoon. Shook, man. Just absolutely shaken. And I started thinking the worst right away. I'm sure some of you did as well. And I said to myself right then and there, I was like, please, dear God, please don't let this freaking be the 2021 Kobe Bryant story here. Just wasn't ready for that. And I realized it's crazy to me how much I love and how much I appreciate Tiger Woods because, well, for starters, he's the biggest reason, maybe the only reason why I love golf as much as I do today. I don't know if I ever would have became a fan of golf were it not for Tiger Woods if he didn't come along. I grew up on the west side of Buffalo and I did not grow up playing golf. I didn't grow up a fan of golf. I remember occasionally like checking out Jack Nicklaus or Tom Watson if they were in the lead of the final round of a major, maybe. But that's about it. That changed, and that changed because of Tiger Woods. I'm a golf fanatic now. I watch it all the time. And I've gotten so much just pure joy and fun watching Tiger Woods play and watching him dominate for all those years. It was just a a week or so ago, in fact, on Twitter, there was a, a Mount Rushmore of goats flown around. Josh Reed from Channel 4, the sports director there, tweeted that out. He had his four. I don't remember who they were. And some other people started chiming in, including myself. And Tiger Woods was on mine. Second, in fact, right behind Muhammad Ali. The Mount Rushmore goats. I believe that too with all my heart. I'm not ashamed to admit this. At least in part anyway, my emotions are kind of self-serving right now. I mean, first and foremost, I'm going to feel horrible on a personal level if these injuries, which aren't life-threatening, at least at this time, but they're really bad. You know, if these injuries for Tiger, if they're for good, again, first and foremost for Tiger and his family and his loved ones, but also in the back of my mind, I've been holding out hope that Tiger could get back on the course healthy again. And, and this is before the, the, the car accident with the back and everything. Hoping he could get out, recapture some magic on the course. Maybe one more time for old time's sake. Kind of turn back the clock. Just like he did at the Masters a couple of years ago, 2019. Which, by the way, to this very day, still one of the coolest sports memories that I've ever had in my entire life. I don't know if that's going to happen now. I don't know if Tiger Woods is ever going to be fully healthy again, let alone be able to play golf, let alone be able to play golf at the highest level again. I don't know. Time will tell. But if anyone could do it, it's Tiger, man. It's definitely, definitely Tiger. And on that note, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today's episode. Very big thank you. One more time, Chad Dinaminesis, one of my favorites. Love having Chad on the show. It's been way too long since I've had him on. I got to get him on again for sure. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Tweets. I am constantly tweeting out podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, all kinds of stuff on my Twitter. Again, at Pat Moran Tweets. 
Thank you so, so much for listening. I say it all the time. I really, truly appreciate it. You're giving up your time and checking out this podcast in a very, very complicated and competitive podcasting market that does not get lost on me. Very humble for that. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. I'll be back. Brand new episode next Tuesday.